you have your Bibles, open up to Psalms chapter 90. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into his presence this morning. So grateful for all of our team. We are a blessed church, amen? God is good. Psalms 90 chapter 1, we begin a new series entitled After Life Today. There's something that comes next, amen? There is something that comes next. Psalms chapter 90, if you would stand for the reading of his word this morning. Verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. How many of y'all are thankful that we can go to God? We can find refuge where we can dwell. He inhabits the praises of his people, but he's also someone that can be inhabited as well. As we draw nigh unto him, he draws nigh unto us. He says he is our dwelling place for all generations, not just for my generation, not just for your generation, but for every generation. There's a faith that must be transferred, transitioned from one generation to the next, and he is there. He is a dwelling place for every generation, which is why we can entrust the future generations to him. Before mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is God. Father, we thank you that you are everlasting. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or is a watch in the night. I want you to think about your yesterday. What did you do yesterday? A thousand years or that to God. How quick yesterday went by. A watch in the night. A blink of the eye. It's how great, how magnificent He is. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that today you would open up our eyes to the wonder of who you are, the greatness of who you are. God, I know that we who are finite, we cannot behold the fullness of who you are. But Father, I just ask that today you'd give us a glimpse. God, that we may stand in awe of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you have not shared the service, please go ahead and jump online real quick. Share the services um, for all those joining in online. Um, Interact with us. Put an amen in there in the chat, wherever you're at this morning. Let us know wherever you're watching from. We're grateful to have you there as a part of our services today. As I said, today we start a new series, After Life. And we're going to talk over the next couple weeks about eternity, heaven, and hell. And definitely it's a topic that we need to talk about because we live in a society that has tried to erase eternity, tries to erase heaven, tries to erase hell, and even certain religious leaders and religious movements have definitely aided to this. And things have been written about erasing hell, even from pulpits, and it's just mind-blowing about how our culture and society would want to erase eternity. Eternity is a journey, uh, eternity is a journey that we will make, and we need to be prepared, amen? You don't go on vacation, 
without making sure you got the essentials. Earlier this year, my wife and I family, we went on vacation and we checked into our hotel that night and uh, we were unpacking all of the bags and the toiletry bag was missing. I don't know whose fault it was. I guess it was mine probably, right? But you don't go on vacation without packing the essentials. And so at 9.30 at night, we make a trip to Publix. Publix didn't have everything, so we had to go to Walgreens. Walgreens finally had everything. And you don't go on journeys without making sure you have the essentials. And you better not journey into eternity without making sure your bags are packed. Eternity is a topic. It doesn't get a lot of airtime in our culture. We live for the present moment. Many think, I'm not here for a long time. Hey, I'm just here for a good time, right? You've seen that loud and clear. They live for today, do what feels good. And no one likes to talk about eternity because no one likes to talk about death. There's other things to talk about besides death. And for things that aren't palatable in our culture, our culture does an incredible job at reframing those things. What do I mean? When your insurance agent comes to sell you a policy on death, what do they call it? Life insurance. When they come to sell you a policy for when you are sick, what do they call it? Health insurance, right? Sickness and death don't sell well, and so topics that aren't pleasant or palatable, our society does a really good job of reframing them, and at some point, we have to face the reality that one day we will die, and when we do, we must be ready. Here's what I can assure you of today. We know that there are three definites in life. Number one, death, right? Number two, taxes. And number three, the ice cream machine at McDonald's being broken when you're in the drive-thru. Like, can somebody please pray for that thing and anoint it? It's always broken. People have all kinds of views on what is on the other side of this existence. And I love history. I love museums and studying other cultures. And, and some ancient cultures specifically have some very interesting views on the afterlife. In 2014, my wife and I, we, uh, we were in Rome and we went to the Vatican and we went into this display of antiquities about ancient Egypt and uh, we saw this, this Egyptian man who had been embalmed and mummified and was on display. Look at this. This guy's 4,500 years old and he looks pretty good for 4,500 years old, right? All I know is white people don't age just like that, right? See, these guys, they didn't have Botox. They didn't have a lot of the modern medicine and things and that they have, but he looks pretty good. I want whoever these guys were taking care of me whenever it comes my time. In Egyptian culture, these people would go all out for their dead, especially for their royalty. They would wrap them and they would put food and uh, singers and all kinds of riches and statues and all sorts of things in the tombs for the afterlife. Egyptians had a strong belief in the afterlife. Other cultures in Far East Asia believe in reincarnation and karma. And then the atheists would believe that all we have is this present moment. Right, All we have is this moment. And so I did a little research and here are some of the popular responses of today's culture. 
Answer one, why waste the present time thinking about eternity? Answer two, eternity. What a horrible concept. Sounds like being caught in a black hole. Answer three, why think about the unknown? Present your facts, then we'll have something to talk about. See, some people believe that this life is meaningless and that there's nothing on the other side of death's door. Eternity is just an adjective or how long you wait at the DMV. However, as Christians, we don't beat to the rhythm of the world, right? We know and we believe we are eternal beings. And I love how Moses in this Psalm describes God. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Aren't you thankful that our God is a refuge? He is a dwelling place, a present help in times of need and in times of trouble, a stronghold that we can run to and find safety, right? That is who our God is. He is a dwelling place, and it says that he is from everlasting before mountains were formed or brought forth of the earth and the world were here before anything ever existed in this life from everlasting to everlasting. He is God, not he was God, not he will be God, but he is God. He is ever present. He is ever present. But man, man is finite. Some scriptures would say man is but a breath. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Man returns to the dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but not God, because a thousand years are in his sight, or is a watch in the night. See, time is a concept that was created by God. To us, eternity is endless time, but not to God. Why? Because God is outside of time. If he created it, he is therefore outside of it, right? You can't be in something that that is there. He has created time. God is the creator of the time. He sees the beginning and he sees the ending. He is the alpha and the omega. So he looks at the timeline and sees the beginning and the ending. And he is not bound by that timeline as well. He is present. He hasn't missed a moment. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. Aren't you thankful for a God that does not have a limited schedule? And he isn't limited by the time constraints of our schedule as well. He is sovereign, which is why he can reverse, he can shift, he can transform things in but a moment. He is able to remove time elements. He's able to extend time elements. He's able to do things that we cannot do because we are limited by time and space. And when he does it, it doesn't throw the universe off its axis, right? He can split an atom and it doesn't go kaboom, right? He is God. He's eternal. See, our understanding of eternity is often directly related to our understanding or our view of God or the God of our lives. And if the God of our lives is money, health, relationships, success, sports, you, you name it, then our view of eternity will be greatly influenced by those things. And if those things are perishable, 
if those things are retractable, if our identity is caught up in something that is perishable and not an eternal God, when that identity perishes, we too in our spirit, man, will perish, right? We cannot be caught up in those things. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, but the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow weary. He does not grow faint. His understanding is unsearchable. God is the original, eternal, and only eternal being. Paul would say in Acts 17, it's in him we live and move and have our being. 1 Timothy 1.17 says the to the king of the ages, the immortal, the invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelation, the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who is the ancient of days. See, God is the original, eternal being. And all that is eternal directly derives this quality ultimately from the one who is eternal. What does that mean? The reason we are eternal beings is because God allows it, right? In and of ourselves, we are not eternal. Nothing in this universe is eternal. He is the OG, eternal one, right? They're not the original gates, the original glorified, eternal being. And without him, we don't have eternity within ourselves. We cannot. Isn't it incredible that the God of the universe would give us eternity? See, if God wanted us to return to dust, then we would. We would be no different than a dog, a tree, a plant, or anything else in all of creation. But God doesn't just give us the opportunity for life in this span of days. But in John 10, 10, he says that I have come basically so that you may have life and have it more abundantly that we may have eternal life, that we may experience eternity with him. Isn't it incredible that God desires us to experience eternity with him? This is why we don't worship the world. This is why we don't worship the things of the world. Or the, we worship the one who's created it, the one who has hung the sun, the moon, and the stars, the immortal, the eternal, invisible, wise God. But to step into this eternity, we must enter through a door, death's door. And as I said earlier, when you go through that door, you better have your bags packed. Death is the feared doorway by which one enters into eternity. Most people have wondered, what is on the other side of this life? Does it all end here? Do, can we do anything about this six foot hole in the ground? And most people that aren't miserable people Hope that there is something on the other side of this life, right? We all hope. We all hope that there is something on the other side of this existence, especially when death strikes home. And most people, including myself, spend their time trying how to not go through that door, right? That's why we go to the doctor. That's why we should exercise and eat healthy, as Pastor preached last week. We do our, our best at trying not to enter into eternity's door, but the reality is there is a pull stronger than any magnet that should the Lord tarry will eventually win, and we will at some point and one day, we will walk through that door. Death in our culture is viewed as an end. It's not viewed as a transition point or a beginning. 
it's often viewed as a vessel or a ship that would be lost at sea. But from God's vantage point, it's never lost. See, God knows right where it is. And while we may have wished for a thousand more journeys of this ship or these lives, God saw fit in a moment of time to moor that ship to the harbor of eternity. Death is the feared entrance into eternity, the beginning of the chapter that never ends, the entrance into our eternal reward, whether good or bad. Ecclesiastes says there's a beginning and an ending for everything, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up. And death was not a part of God's original plan. Death was not a part of God's original plan at the outset of creation. Death is a result of sin in this world, but then God intervenes. See, how many of you are thankful that God steps into the timeline where the enemy would seek to bring death, confusion, and chaos? God just doesn't leave it there, but he intervenes. Romans 6, 23 would say, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death was not a part of the plan. Eternal life with Jesus Christ our Lord is. And so he steps into the timeline of mankind and he brings this free gift of salvation where sin leads to death. God's grace and his gift leads to eternal life which tells me sickness and tragedy doesn't win. Death and disease does not win. Murder, abortion does not win. The power of this world, it does not win. God wins. Amen? God ultimately wins and triumphs over all of these things. A seed cannot produce fruit unless it is first buried. And like a seed, we, in our lives, in our planting, and in our bearing, produce a harvest of righteousness. Psalm says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, not because God enjoys watching his people and his saints die, but because he is receiving them into their eternal reward. Remember, Jesus is the groom and we are the bride. And so as we inherit our eternal reward, we're, we're inheriting the one who is longing for, awaiting for our return. If you've been married, you know what it's like to wait at the end of the aisle. And don't you think that Jesus is sitting there waiting and longing for his bride to be received unto himself, which is why the psalmist could say precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In John 4, 13, Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Amen? When we drink of him, we don't have to thirst again. Watch this. When we drink of the living water in this life, it manifests in the form of hope. Right? We can't see it, but we hope for it. When we drink of this water, it's something that we are 
hoping for. It's something that we are waiting. It's faith that we are holding on to, that there is something that is coming to us. When we drink of this living water, it manifests itself in the form of hope. But when we die, it no longer has to manifest itself in the form of hope. Hope then becomes sight, and we see our Savior face to face. We see heaven. We see our eternal reward face to face, and we inherit the free gift of God eternal life with Jesus, which is why we must hold fast to this faith, right? We have this blessed assurance that there is a gift on the other side of death's door, and it's this assurance that gives us a foretaste of glory divine. Last weekend, I I preached a funeral for a man I had passed away, and um, I called him a few days before his, his passing. They, they called me and I called him back. And um, as I was speaking to him, at the end of our conversation, I had, I had prayed with him and we, we spoke and talked. And then as we were finishing and concluding the conversation, he said, Pastor Jordan, I won. I said, excuse me, what'd you say? He said, I'm the winner, meaning I ran my race, I finished my course. There's a prize waiting for me, oh for faith of a man like that to be able to look at death in the face and say, I have won, I am the winner. It's not gonna win, I'm going to inherit my eternal prize. Right? He knew what was standing on the other side of the doorway that was waiting for him. And what stands on the other side of the doorway is determined about how we live in this life we are in right now. Hebrews 9, 27 says, and just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Church, it has been appointed for man to die once. Key word there is once. Jesus said you can be born twice and die once. He was talking to Nicodemus. No one can inherit the life unless a man be born again. Jesus said you can be born twice and die once or you can die twice and be born once. God doesn't desire that you die twice. See, when he appears that second time, he's not coming, he said, to deal with sin. But he's there to save, to redeem, to restore, to rescue all of those who are eagerly awaiting his return. Don't get me wrong, he will deal with sin. There will be a place and there will be a time where he will deal with sin. But as John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love this next scripture because we so often detach it from the heart of who our God is. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God's desire is not mankind's condemnation, but mankind's salvation. He's not willing, he's not wanting, he's not desiring that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's his heart. That's his longing for us as mankind. He desires our salvation. But to experience it 
there will come a day where we have to pass from this life to the next. And as pastor has said many times, we have to have faith to live by, and we have to have faith to die by. Why do some people skip, leap, jump, bound into eternity, so expectant of the life to come, able to look and say, I'm the winner. But there's others who fear, cling, waiting. They both inherit the prize of eternal life as long as they have faith in Christ Jesus. But there's a big difference. It's gotta be in where our hope rests. Our hope is founded. I love what Isaiah 25 says. He will swallow up death forever. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away every tear from every face and the reproach of his people. He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. And when he speaks it, when he says it, there ain't going any back on it, right? You can't go back on it at that point. He said it. He will wipe away, hallelujah, he will wipe away every tear from every face for those that have faith in him. For the worship team, we come to the stage. Why does this matter? One is we just don't inherit eternal life, right? We don't just get into heaven. Just because we die doesn't mean we go to heaven. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. What we do in this one speck called life doesn't just impact our eternity. It determines our eternity. Let the weight of that set in. What we do in this speck, this one little speck called life, doesn't impact our eternity it determines it determines our eternity how much more weight does our life and our daily decisions carry when we have a proper view a proper perspective of eternity scripture is clear there's only two options heaven a place of paradise in the presence of almighty god and hell a place of torture separated from god caleb if you'll bring out that rope this life that we have is just a speck, and this rope that I have right here, I used this several years ago, represents eternity. This, this rope as a whole would represent our eternal being, and this red portion of this tape right here represents our lives. Right here, the beginning of our life would represent where you are born. Right here would represent where you flunk second grade potentially, right? Anybody ever flunk second grade? Right here would represent where you, you fell in love, where you got married, where you had children. Right here would represent potentially potential tragedy that might have taken place in your life. You know, you have this whole rope of life and not everything is good, right? Maybe right here is where temptation began to set in and, and get the best of you. And you had to make some decisions about how you were going to entertain or not entertain those things. And right here where tragedy, right here where you became successful in this portion and how does that determine your outlook and your, your perspective on life? And then right over here would be where you pass away. 
See, this red part is filled with a lot of good and a a lot of bad things, a lot of wonderful times, a lot of tough times, a lot of highs and a lot of lows, a lot of good choices, a lot of poor choices, a lot of hard choices that we have to make in this portion of life that we have on this earth. This rope represents our eternity. This rope represents God's creation. This whole rope, right, God created he knit us together in our mother's womb, and so ultimately this rope, it belongs to who? It belongs to God. And to everything that God created, the devil wants. Let that sink in. Everything that God created, the devil wants. He wants your life. He wants your eternity. And so when you flunk second grade, he would tell you, you're nothing but a failure. When you lost a family member all too early, he would question, is God really good? When you entered into temptation, you'd say, hey, there's a lot of pleasure in this outside of your confines of marriage. When you entertain success, this is what you're made for. This is your identity. This is everything that you are, right? See, the devil comes along all throughout this red to distort the promises of God. He comes to distort the promises of God and he will lie to you about the promises and the goodness that God has set aside for you all throughout your life, not just to have this little red part, but to have this whole rope of creation and eternity. Just as much as God wants your life, the devil wants to destroy your life. He came, God came to give you life. The devil came to steal life. He came to kill life, to rob you of life. The choices that we make all throughout this portion determine, determine what eternity looks like. So why would we hold onto unforgiveness Here. Or over here, it doesn't even really matter, right? Why would we hold on to bitterness? Here. This one little speck. Maybe that's a five-year portion. Why would we hold on to bitterness over here and jeopardize eternity with God? See, bitterness is like having something caught in your throat. It'll suffocate you. Sometimes if you were wrong and they don't ever come back and apologize, you just gotta swallow it and digest it. That's your part. Maybe you did something. Maybe you need to cough it up and go and see that person, apologize and, for, and ask for forgiveness. But it's not, it's not worth it's not worth holding on to something here. Lust, greed. What would Jesus say? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And seek to destroy the rest of it. What we do here doesn't impact, it determines. If you would go ahead and stand with me this morning.
good perspective and belief about eternity is essential for the quality of life today, but then also tomorrow. A good belief, a solid belief, a solid knowledge and understanding of eternity is essential for the quality of life today and the quality of life for tomorrow. How many of you want a good eternity? How many of you want a good eternity? We all do. See, when we understand eternity, heaven and hell and what happens after life, we will not put the weight of paradise in this life that we are in currently. Let that sink in. When we understand eternity, that paradise is to be paradise, we don't put the weight of paradise in this life, which means we don't put the weight on a spouse. We don't put the weight of paradise on our children. We don't put the weight of paradise on a vacation. We don't put the weight of paradise on a job. We don't put the weight of paradise on things that will never provide paradise. That's why James said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you enter trials of various kinds. He could look at a trial. He could look at a, at a tough time and say, it's joy because he had a perspective knowing that it is here just for a moment. And if I operate good, it will determine quality in the rest of my eternity. We are eternal beings. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, take careful look about how you build for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest because it will be revealed. It will be tried by fire. Everything we do it's going to enter into the flame. It's going to enter into the flame, and I want to do things. I want to build things. I want to be about things that are going to last for eternal significance, not, not through things that are going to vanish and vaporize in a moment. Why do we exist to help people encounter Jesus, to build disciples, to love people, and to make a difference? Eternal things that will stand the test of the fire you do today determines your eternity tomorrow. Everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Jesus and John said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, listen to the heart of Jesus, that where I am, you may be also. He wants you to be there in eternity. He's provided a space. He's provided a place for you in eternity. And you know the way, verse 4 says, to where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, how do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Heaven, it's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. If you're here, you've been living not for eternity, 
not for eternity's sake, but you've been making decisions based upon this life and this moment. And you're not sure that if you died today, you would spend eternity with Jesus and the place that he has prepared for you. I want you to slip up your hand right now. He's here. He loves you. He desires your salvation, not your damnation. He wants you to come to the Father. He's got life. He's got everlasting living water that will cause you to never thirst again for the things of the world. If that's you this morning and you need to make things right with the Lord, I want you to just slip up your hands. Amen. 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 If you slipped up your hand, God knows right where you are. I want everybody to open your eyes. I want you to look at your neighbor right now. And I want you to ask him. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Ask Him. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to meet Him? If you died today, if you died today, we've done way too many funerals lately. Death, I can tell you, is a part of life. We've done way too many funerals. If I told you the number, you'd be shocked. God has provided eternal life for you today. If you slipped up your hand, if somebody responded with you that they need to make things right with the Lord, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come to the front. All of our prayer team, if you would come down to the front at this moment. If you slipped up your hand and you need to make some things right with Jesus this morning, come on, just begin to make your way to the front. Jesus, 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 come on. Come on, there were several hands that went up all over the room this morning. Jesus, 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 Jesus. is here for you. He desires salvation. He desires restoration. He has grace. He has mercy waiting for you. Come on. Come on. There is a lot more hands than that. You know who you are. We want to help lead you. There is life everlasting waiting. There's life everlasting waiting. In just a moment, we can kneel, we can make things right, we can make eternal decisions today that don't just impact, but they determine our eternity. Jesus, Jesus. The worship team is going to lead us in a song this morning. Come on, let's just pray.
this morning for salvation rededication to the Lord I want to encourage you to fill out one of our connection cards prayer team make sure we have those also there's a number that you can text new for Jesus our spiritual journey is so vital and important and we need people to come alongside and help us amen that's what Sunday school e-groups that's what all this is about so that we have support because we need accountability and it's in those groups that community that accountability is fostered and so I want to encourage you to jump in to that. Um, if, if all of our deacons, if you would come down to the front, I want us to pray for an anoint pastor this morning. Um, I'm thankful for all that God is doing and has done. Amen. But the scripture says, call for the elders of the church, lay hands on them that he may recover. We believe in the prayer of faith. 
that it raises and brings healing. So all of our, all of our elders, our deacons, if you would just come over to uh, pastor real quick and I want us to anoint him with oil and just pray the prayer of faith. And I believe that as we pray for our spiritual leader, the one who shepherds this flock, I believe that there's a healing anointing that flows into the house, amen. I, don't, I, I have not forgot what Nathan Morris said two years ago, that when the leader is under attack, the whole body is under attack. And we have to help like Moses, I mean like Aaron and her lift up the arms. And so I want you to stretch forth your hands and I want us to speak and decree and declare the word of life today. Come on church, Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are our healer, that you are a source, you are a sustainer. And Father, we call upon your name. You are mighty to save, mighty to redeem, mighty to heal. And Father, we just declare health and wholeness from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Father, we thank you that God, you don't grow weary and well-doing, Father, but Father, there will be a harvest if we faint not. So Father, we decree, we declare the reward and the report of the Lord over his body that he is being healed and made whole, that by the stripes laid on Christ's back, healing is flowing forth. We thank you for it. And Father, we pray over this body for every person that needs healing. We release health and wholeness today in every person. God, we thank you that you heal every disease. There's nothing too great, nothing too difficult for you. God, we release life today. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read the blessing before I do. Don't forget about signing up with Mission of Hope out in the lobby today. We want to encourage you to serve. Also, immediately following this service over in the lounge, we have our serve class. And so if you're part of E-Track and that's your next step, or if you're wanting to get involved to, to serve, to give of yourself, to be a part of serving in any area or form of ministry, join us in serve class. Mr. James is there in the back. It'll be only uh, about five to 10 minutes. And so join us there. And then Pastor Jen Osteen, bring in the word tonight. Come on, slip up your hands. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of God and I will bless them. Be blessed in Jesus' name.